I just came back from the salon. And for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time <laughs> with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells un. Believable, Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze's other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. Hi, my name is Deandra Simmons and you're listening to Andy's Girls. so excited for this week's episode of AG with an amazing, a long, intense, um, phenomenal <laughs> interview with Dallas housewife Deandra Simmons. And just wanted to give two quick housekeeping notes. First off, the interview was conducted here in New York City, where I'm recording now, um, two days after BravoCon and before this week's episode of Dallas had aired. So there are some points that Deandra's making. Um, of, I, of course, had not seen the episode yet. Uh, neither had you. So I look forward to hearing your thoughts on her thoughts. And of course, I will be back to re recap all of the franchises on next week's AG. Um, in addition, I'm going to be soliciting, I mean, not for the first time, I'm going to be soliciting some questions from you guys about all things BravoCon. I got such a great response to the BravoCon uh, double episode with Brian Moylan that um, I'm taken to IG to answer any of your BravoCon questions. Burning questions. 
Um, there's a medication for that burn and it's called Andy's Girls. So follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley, Twitter at Sarah Galley. And on IG, I'm going to be posing that question to let me know what you want to know about the big BC. So again, guys, can't wait to dive into all things Dallas um, through the lens of this week's episode and of course, um, much more on next week's AG, but I hope you really enjoy um, this conversation with Deandra and many thanks to Deandra and her team for making that happen. Um, I had a lot of fun. So guys, enjoy all things Dallas on this week's Andy's Girls. Oh my God, you guys, it's Andy's Girls and I am so excited to be joined by none other than a pioneering businesswoman, a skincare expert who spent more than 20 years in the nutritional and beauty industry, the founder and CEO of the skincare line, which has maybe one of the best names and titles of all time, Hard Night Good Morning, and the CEO and owner of Ultimate Living International. And of course, BT Dubs, you may know her as a real housewife. Real Housewife of Dallas. So excited to be joined here on the People's People's Couch with Deandra Simmons. Deandra. Hi. Oh my God. First off. I'm glad to be here, but I will tell you something. Tell I me everything. Hard Naked Morning just summarizes pretty much my three years on the show. <laughs> I mean, but especially this season. I mean, for God's sake, really. <laughs> you know. That should be my tagline. I feel I like- may have had a hard night, but I'm going to have a really good morning. <laughs> Okay, that, can someone frame that and put that on my wall? I'm going to have another tequila shot and a really good morning. (laughs) Holy, did that just, oh my God, you're magic. You're magic already. So tell me what you are doing here in um, glorious slash hot garbage New York City. What are you doing? What's happening? We just finished BravoCon. We did, and I was here, I was at BravoCon for a hot minute Sunday for the Luian show, the cabaret show. (laughs) I was also there. I'm probably the only person that hasn't seen that show and that was your first time (laughs) seeing it that was quite a night I mean there were a lot of people in the audience who were I would say deep into turtle timing as Ramona Singer would call it there was a lot of um energy there was a lot of like happy lady energy then they they really started their turtle time clock around probably 10 a.m. I oh, mean I'm sure I was way too sober for that whole event because <laughs> I mean I had a I had to be up I had to be somewhere from nine to nine yesterday for business oh god the Bella magazine beauty I was one of the oh, speakers great. it was myself and James Vincent who's you know celebrity makeup artist so Love. it was amazing but I couldn't be I mean I could not have a hard night and do that so I had one drink I was oh, so god. good I you was needed scary. another though I think <laughs> you needed another to get through that. I had that. one drink, but I was wearing several because people were dropping them all over me. I mean. <laughs> my handbag actually stuck to my pants. I'm not kidding you. Because I was, I got it off the floor and somebody had taken their tequila drink and I guess spilled it everywhere. So I put it on my suede pants to get something out and it stuck. Oh no. <laughs> and what was your experience? What, well, first off, were you swarmed by Bravoholics as soon as you walked in? I think because I had not been there this weekend. The yeah. only, there was only two housewives from our franchise. Right. And people were expecting more. They didn't know who was coming and yeah. why. Everybody wasn't represented. So I walked in and people didn't know I was going to be there. And I didn't know I was going to be there until the last minute. Wow. And I got to sit on the front row center, <gasps> which was interesting. And I got up close and personal <laughs> with everything, you know. 
Uh, and people were just very excited and, oh my God, Deandra's here and just very nice to me. And I took a bunch of photos and, um, that's great. People were asking, you know, why hadn't, why weren't you here? And we wanted to see you, but they were, you know, they were glad that they got to see me, the people I saw for a few minutes. Why weren't you a part of programming? It doesn't make sense to me that they only had two cast members from Dallas necessarily, you know, like I, it would have been great to have you as a part of the event. I don't know. I guess it was a budget concern. So I think Potomac had two as well, correct? Yeah, they had Giselle and Ashley and that was another question where is Karen Huger I mean there are some all-stars on both of your franchises and it only speaks of how highly um, Bravo fans hold both of your casts that they want to see it's like we can't get enough we want to see all of you I think when you watch a show like a housewife show you become invested in certain people not everybody sure but certain people's lives so we each represent a unique space Mm -hmm. with regards to somebody might be my fan somebody might be Stephanie's fan somebody might be Brandy's fan I mean we may have collectively three people that like or three people you know one person might like all three of us is what I'm trying to say yeah but not necessarily all six ladies it's just that way it just you have certain people that like you and certain people that relate to your story and others that don't and that's that's just the way it is and I think that's what makes a housewife show so interesting because it's an ensemble cast I always say this I mean I say this ad nauseum if it wasn't for all six of us there wouldn't be a show right because we each bring something different unique life experience I don't have children for instance I'm a businesswoman uh there's just you know my struggle with my family and my mom I bring that while other girls bring their families to the show they bring uh you know their other businesses their other experiences Stephanie has had the depression issue Mm. Leanne has certainly her share of issues from the past so Mm -hmm. we bring something different so I never look at it as to there's a star there is a one person that the show's all about because if that was true then that person would have their own show shots fired (laughs) yeah that's just the way it is I mean obviously we are admitted in I mean so Speaking of that and of the fact that it is an ensemble show, I want to go. I didn't answer your question, though. Yeah, tell May me. I interrupt you? Uh, oh, my God. Who you're, I am. you're in the right spot. So you're in the right place. So I'm here because uh, I was already scheduled to be here the weekend that was BravoCon before I knew it was BravoCon. <laughs> I had trunk shows. Oh, my God. I had Bella Magazine convention on the 18th, which means I had to be here on the weekend anyway. So I did a trunk show on Thursday at Lexi, this cute little store downtown on 9th Street. And then on uh, Friday, I did a champagne brunch at Bash. And then I had a bunch of different press things that were scheduled and business interviews. So I was here anyway. The only day I really had any time off was on Saturday. And then Sunday I had another interview with Dr. Ludwig, Robbie Ludwig. Mm-hmm, I'm sure mm-hmm, you know her. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was back to like, I literally had to be up at, I was supposed to be up at five. I didn't get up till after that. I mean, it happens. <laughs> it happens. And then I had to go to New Jersey an hour and a half away. Oh, Jesus. So. Which is another time zone yeah. from here in uh, Of course, New York I was City. late because it was raining. <laughs> I mean, things happen. I cancel plans when it rains. But I got to let you know. To answer your question that you originally yeah. asked, that's why I was here because I had business to do. Did you have any interaction with other um, Bravo celebrities who were in town throughout the weekend? Or were you just completely too booked aside from Luann? So uh, Bronwyn's one of my very good friends. So oh, I saw her pretty much every day when she wasn't at BravoCon. We were having dinner. We were going to friends of ours' apartments for drinks. And we were going to bars together and doing, you know, for a certain amount of time. How did you meet Bronwyn? Was it through the Bravo universe or did does this friendship pre precede that so I knew Bronwyn because I have a friend Kate Casey who also has a podcast of course, of and course. she introduced us when Bronwyn's joined the cast before she had even been announced and one of the things I 
appreciate about certain people in this um, franchise and the franchise as a whole. Yeah. There are certain people that reached out to me and kind of gave me a lay of the land, so to speak, because you walk in if you've never done this before and have no idea what to expect mm-hmm. and you're told just so many different things and you need somebody to sit down and go, girlfriend, right? this is what happens. Yeah. You know, this is what it's to expect right. when, you, when you have a press interview or when you are on camera and you feel pressured to do something that's not really something that you would feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. you're going to have to, you know, pay the piper if you don't go, if you go against your organic feelings or your nature or, you know, stay true to yourself. Sure. Bottom line, you stay true to yourself. So you need somebody to kind of hold your hand and say, okay, if you make a mistake, this is what's going to happen. The night that Bronwyn had the scene with Tamara, she was really upset because of all of that. And I said, well, you're going to make a mistake. I made a lot of mistakes. I see it. And I'm like, oh, God, do I do that? But luckily, tomorrow's another day. Right. Life starts again. You have a chance to start over. And whether you think it's a big deal or not, you know, people are going to judge you no matter what you do. I went to the OC taping and there were not OC taping. I went, what felt like a reunion taping. I went to the OC panel and there was definite tension among them. And I was like front row watching all of their faces as other people were answering questions. And I've heard through the Bravo grapevine that Bronwyn comes in hard against Tamara at the reunion taping. Is that something that you guys help each other through when you're getting ready to like encapsulate the seasons that you've just finished and you're trying to figure out your strategy for those very, very long days? I think it's interesting. Most, a lot of the women do call other women that have been on another franchise and say, okay, what's the reunion like? Right. That is probably the most, one of the most arduous work days I've ever had in my entire life is a reunion. I mean, you got to think about the stress level, the the questions that are just fired at you one after the other for 12 hours, however long it might be. It's a long day. And it's, it's, it's a lot of tension, right? a lot of anger, a lot of pent up emotions. If you haven't said something all season, this is your time to say it. And people make good choices and bad choices in that environment. It kind of, it's almost like if you were ever on the debate team, you would probably do a really good job at reunion. If you hadn't been in that environment before, you maybe not would do such a good job depending on your personality. But I will tell you, I didn't talk to Bronwyn before the reunion. I asked her how it was. She said it went great. So I'm assuming that it went great for her. I uh, didn't really ask details about it because I, I think she's probably tired of talking about it right now. So I let mm-hmm. her just, when she wants yeah. to call me and talk about it, she can. But in particular, Candy from Potomac called me because we have kind of... Candy from Atlanta? Uh, no, Potomac. Candace, sorry. Oh, Candace. Oh, Candace. oh, okay, got it. Can- Candace, sorry. Candace from Atlanta, Candace Dillard. So she called me and because we have mother issues, both of us with our moms. Yes. And she called me two days or a week before reunion. And then I talked to her. I can't remember if we talked before or after. I did leave her a message, and then finally after reunion, we talked, and she told me kind of how it went. And So we we commiserate on different experiences. I talked to Emily a lot last year from OC. Mm. Uh, We haven't talked as much this year. Bronwyn and I pretty much talk a lot more than that. Um, I find that the other franchises, the older franchises, Mm -hmm. they're the women that have been on longer are not as willing to reach out and kind of talk to the younger kids. I say we're kids, the younger members of the Housewife franchise, but – you know, I just think that maybe they just feel like, I don't know what they think. I just, it hasn't been my experience. And I'm not, certainly not reaching out to someone that's been on a franchise for 13 years and start asking them a bunch of questions. It's almost my job to me. I feel like I need to reach out to people that are starting out just to give them some comfort because you feel alone a lot of times, especially when you're watching the show and you feel like, did I make a bad mistake? 
am I going to recover from this? Mm -hmm. Is my life going to go on? Mm -hmm. These people are hating on me on social media. Mm -hmm. So just like comforting other people and talking to them about their experience and my experience. What is the biggest advice that you would give the new, new, soon to be announced, hopefully, um, castmates and housewives from Salt Lake City? I would say stay true to yourself no matter what. Don't worry. We all make mistakes. And if you can make fun of yourself, the one thing I have learned, and this is my experience. Yeah. Housewives is supposed to be dramatic, but Housewives is also a comedy. It is. So if you are funny. It can be a dark comedy, but it's definitely If you are bright. funny, this is a time to shine. Right. Because this year I finally got, my comedy is my favorite thing. I've been mm-hmm. an actress since I was four. So my, I love comedy more than anything in the world. And i Last year, I kind of got away from it. The first year, I had the honest tea. Mm-hmm. That was my little comedic moment. Love, love, love. Last year, not so much. Mm-hmm. This year, I had three big moments. We're getting ready to have another one on Wednesday night. So I learned to integrate my comedy into this because don't take life so seriously. It's just a TV show at the end of the day. It is just a TV show. And you know, we're recording this before we launch straight into Thailand, but there are obviously seeing the here's what's coming up in the rest of the season, seeing those te- teasers and those trailers. There's a lot of heavy stuff that's coming. How do you keep your sense of humor intact, knowing that you're dealing with incredibly cutting and sometimes really mean behavior and plot points on camera? Like I, I would think, for example, you know, when friends and former very good friends are making comments that you might be struggling with addiction I mean that's not really funny you know how do you keep yourself sane during that time where you feel like you're potentially being even targeted well I didn't last year I pretty much lost my shit okay I was I mean I was not used to being persecuted I was persecuted for a year and a half on social media to the point of I mean if I had been a person that couldn't handle things it would have been really bad persecuted by cast members I was by persecuted their by fan Leanne, like incessantly still persecuted by her incessantly constantly in the press in the media on social media it never ends all day long 24 hours a day I just don't pay attention to it anymore because you know if I mean I just I don't care anymore but at first I did care and I had then all of her people on social media because right. you got to realize Leanne doesn't have a job except for this. So she sits at her house and talks on social media eight hours a day. I have to go to work. I have to get up, go to work. I have four jobs. I have Bravo. I have a podcast. I have two businesses. And Mm -hmm. then I also have other things that I do with regards to that my agent will send me, for example, because I am an actress. So I'll have other things too. Right. I do the best I can to answer my direct messages and answer my comments. I do have people that help me with comments just like, you know, oh, thank you so much. I mean, if it's a thank you so much comment, that's you know, something that they know I would say anyway. Mm-hmm. If it gets into a deep conversation, that's me. I always answer those kind of things. There are specific rules because I want it to be my voice. But I, when someone sits on social media and talks to people all day long for eight hours a day and then drives a narrative about the show or themselves, it's very hurtful to another person. That's a lot of time on your hands. Mm-hmm, <laughs> so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I really didn't have the ability to fight that or I didn't know what I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to deal with it. I was in a puddle of tears on my floor half the time last year because of this people saying and things to me and saying what they thought about me, which wasn't true. It was just, it was horrible. Now I have grown from that experience. I have a very thick skin. I'm probably getting ready to get persecuted ad nauseum again after Wednesday night because that's my big comedic moment, which 
I knew when I did what I did, I was going to get persecuted because I thought this is going to be really funny, but I'm going to catch a lot of hell for it. Okay. But at the same time, I look at what we're doing. We are here to make a housewife show. People want to be entertained. It's entertainment at the end of the day. Sure. Is it real? Yes. All of our stories, I can't answer for the other girls. My stories are real. My husband, my mother, all that stuff is what really happens. In addition to that, though, I like to prank people and make fun of them. And I like for them, like Brandy, to make fun of me and because she likes to do that, too. I have no problem. Carrie makes fun of me. I don't care. I laugh with them. I laugh at myself. If you can't laugh at yourself, if, if life is that serious, then, my God, that's sad. <laughs> I hear you. I mean, but it also can be really scary. I don't know how I would react if there were thousands of people who I felt instinctively were coming at me, come coming at me. And the problem with the way that these weapons of social media channels can be utilized is they know your personal life, your feelings and your triggers because they're watching it every week on TV. So it's not like someone's you know, tweeting you and saying, oh, I hate your whatever, blah, blah, blah. They can use isolated scenes that they are seeing that you're becoming very hurt by, sensitive to, or upsetting, and they can use that as a tool for inflicting pain. I don't know how I would, I've said this to other um, wives that I've interviewed and to people that have guessed it on the show, I don't think I would be cut out to be on the show. I love it. I'm obsessed with it. I'll never stop running out of content to to dive deep into it. But I I think I would be too sensitive for it. I mean, how do you? I was like that. I was too sensitive. I almost I didn't think I was going to be able to come back this year because I was very sensitive. But then I did a lot of talking to my husband, to my mm-hmm. mother, mm-hmm. to obviously I went to a therapist about mm-hmm. it. Great. And, I mean, you have to kind of take it all, um, look at the whole pie and say, yeah. okay, you know, is it, this is the good thing about it. This is the bad thing about it, but how do I deal with that? And how do I learn to navigate? Mm-hmm. Because, and that's the growth process is yeah. learning to navigate where you just don't care anymore. Right. I mean, you should care if you are doing something that you shouldn't be doing. Right. In my personal scenes or whatever I do this show I never do anything in a nefarious way to hurt someone or ruin their lives which people have said that oh you're doing this to ruin my life or hurt me no I'm not doing this to ruin your life or to hurt you I'm just pointing out what should be obvious but nobody else to say because they're afraid to say it and I'm just a straight shooter I mean you know so that's the way it is is there ever a time where you say you contact someone from production and you're like listen, shit is going down online. You know, you they see it, of course. They're following what folks are talking about. Have, has there ever been a moment where you're like, this is getting too close to me or I feel like I'm being bullied by a cast member or whatever else? Is there a time when they'll Always. involve themselves? Always, and that's where I made my mistake last year is because I contacted too much because I fell down the rabbit hole and I, I felt like I was in quicksand and couldn't get out. But instead of just ignoring it and let it just brush off like water off a duck's back, I took everything personally, every mm-hmm. little incident, everything that was said about me, every time I was made fun of, every time that I was questioned. And this year, I maybe have contacted twice to the producer or somebody that something happened and and it was really, you know, I had written something funny and the person didn't think it was funny, so then it caused this big stir. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It wasn't, so that's really what it was. I just learned, don't report, don't talk about it, don't bring light to it. The less you give importance to something, then it'll go away. Because people, if you're not going to start responding 
it's like you know people's attention spans like a gnat. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like if you no, it's true. I mean, if you don't respond or you don't make a big deal out of something, then it just goes away. And I've learned that too. So also. I have blocked, muted, cut people off from different, you know, whether it be Twitter or Instagram that are just mean, nasty, or a lot of the people that are mean and nasty to me aren't even real accounts. They're made by other cast members to attack. So, and I know that. I mean, when you go and somebody has a picture of a cat and 12 followers and, you know, I mean, (laughs) obviously, and they just are saying horrible things like, Uh, you know, I mean, you know, you are a fat cow or whatever they say, you know, because I was called a fat cow this year. I mean, it's just, Jesus. it's just, or you, your relationship with your mother is disgusting or you're such a, you know, you're such a whiny little baby about your trust fund or the $60,000. That was the whole thing I had to deal with for about a week, which was completely misconstrued. As I told Andy on Watch What Happens Live, because Leanne tweeted in that she had been able to live on $60,000 several times. I'm like, bet she hadn't had $60,000 until you started the show. Let's just be real here. So, I mean, <laughs> it was like, but the whole thing was the $60,000 because my mother said, well, you know, you get the money from the trust. I was telling her that I can't pay four people, not me, the four employees in my office. They make, each one makes more than $60,000 a year. Plus I have a, a rent to pay. Plus I have a marketing and branding budget. Oh, I said on an episode of Andy's Girls one that it, it doesn't, it genuinely is not a fair comparison to make. It's 60, and we, I've had this conversation. I heard from listeners who are like, I'm so-and-so I live in yada, yada. Yeah, and that, we so couldn't, we couldn't. All it, day long. Life is hard and it's expensive. And then you put being a business owner into that. And then you factor in a mortgage or whatever else payments have to be made. And, and it was very, obvious that that's not the call out and I wasn't even taking a salary so here I am defending the $60,000 that I'm not taking a part of I'm putting into my business and then I get called out from somebody but oh you can't live on $60,000 a year no I wasn't even talking about me I was talking about the business so it just but that moment was taken by another cast member to dig in do you see what I'm saying yeah and then it just becomes this big viral thing where people go crazy thinking that, you know, that's the narrative. So let's take a step back because a lot of this, I think, is... I'm um, not even answering your questions. No, you are <laughs> answering my questions and more. But I want to take a step back to when you first joined Dallas. What was your relationship to the show when you first joined as a housewife, as someone who was, I would think getting inside scoop from your then best friend, you know, during the shooting and airing of season one. So Leanne and I had been friends for several years, but we were friends before she did the show. Right. Of course. And I think a lot of times when people get on shows, they change a little bit. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's the fame, if it's the adoration, if it's the, you know, people all of a sudden overnight, you're a celebrity. And a Bravo celebrity is different than a celebrity on a movie or a TV show because people feel like they have real insight into your life yeah. and they can say and comment things that are very personal because mm-hmm. you have opened yourself up to reality TV. So mm-hmm. you've made this decision. So therefore I have access to everything Yeah, and I can comment and judge everything. Mm-hmm. So whenever I was, Leanne wanted me to come on the show and she, the first season I didn't because I was chairing two huge things a Salvation Army luncheon mm. I didn't feel like they would want me to talk about or be on Bravo when I was doing that and mm-hmm. I was chairing something called Cancer Blows I just left Cattle Baron's Balls underwriting chair it's just a lot of society oh I just chaired the UNICEF gala it just wasn't good timing for me yeah I hear you so I let that go and, and I said well let's see because it was called a different show how to make it in Dallas 
And then they changed it into a housewife show. Wow. And they did call me during that and they said, we're going to change it into a housewife show. I said, well, it's just not good timing for me right now. Yeah. Let's talk next year. If you are going to, you know, if the show makes it and you're going to keep it around and you need to add some cast members, well, maybe it'll be better timing. Okay. And they came back and it was better timing for me the next year. And it really wasn't the best timing, but i felt like if I was going to join the second season was probably the right time for me to join. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did in, Leanne and I, the first year, were pretty civil to each other. I was the one who always questioned her and called her out on things. Mm -hmm. And she seemed to tolerate it a little bit better than the next season, which was the second season for me, which is Bravo's third season. Right. And when I questioned, which the, the funny thing to me is I really didn't do anything. I said, we were on a park bench and I asked about her relationship with, with Rich. Right, right, I just right. said, is he faithful? That's all I said. I mean, if anybody was said that to me, I'd be like, yes, no, whatever. But it started this whole wave of, I said that he had girlfriends. I never said any of that stuff. She said that. So she's the one that said all these things about the girlfriends. Mm -hmm. I, then in my confessional, I had to say, well, the reason I asked that is because I heard rumors. I never qualified what those rumors were. Never brought evidence out. Never showed the different things I knew or had knowledge of. And I just, I'm not a person that is out to stab somebody and destroy their life and ruin their character but I am a person that you know if you're going to say I have $200 in the bank whatever you want to say then I'm going to say well you know maybe you ought to examine your relationship since you're making me yeah there's a mine. there's a little bit of a tit for tat there I don't think that's a bad thing I think that's how the show is created that's how the show is created right you, what you sign up for is what you sign up for so so in that moment, do you think that the reason that Leanne was so upset was because you were asking her, noting that you guys were good friends? Or was it because, you know, you were asking her on camera? Did she, was, she seems like someone who is very aware of how to play the game. So her offense to that question, you would think would be buffered a little bit with the knowledge that she understands that a show is being filmed um, and how much of that do you think was a factor and how upset she got? I think that the rules for her, the rules according to Leanne don't apply to anyone else that apply to her don't apply to anyone else. So right. she can talk about Carrie's husband getting his dick sucked at the roundup all day long and that's fine. Yet if somebody just questions the relationship she's in, then all hell's going to break loose and you're going to be like me persecuted. So I think that she is duplicitous in that way. That's my honest opinion. Yeah. And I don't think that's really fair because we all signed up for the same process. I did ask her, by the way, she kept saying, well, if Deandra would have come to me privately, I did. I came to her best friend who called me the very next day after the bench scene, the best friend that was here parading all around BravoCon. I talked to her for an hour on the phone. The woman was recording me. I knew she was recording me. Jesus. I got in every single thing I needed to say. So she knew. And my thought process on that, and I said to her, I said, this person, and I'm not going to give her any light. I said, you know as well as I know. I said, the best thing, I said, Leanne keeps saying she doesn't want to be a villain. Then if you don't want to be a villain, then tell the truth. Talk about what's really happening in your life. Talk about your hurts. Talk about not these hurts from when you're four years old that you keep blowing up all the time, but talk about current events. Talk about what's really happening in your life. I'm seeing her talking about my bank account, my mother, the, the issues we have. I said, if she said, this is what's happening, yet I'm going to work this out and I'm going to marry this man because I love him. Every woman in America would understand that. We've all been with somebody who has upset us or has cheated on her, us or has done something to us that hurt our feelings. People relate to that. That's a good, good story. The truth most times is better than, you know, what you can make up. Truth is better than fiction. So the show can be 
damaging to relationships that were as perfect and stable as humanly possible. But it appears in listening to you that there wasn't a great foundation of trust there when you guys started. Is that accurate to say that you were good friends, but that the foundation wasn't strong or what changed? I think that what I said before is that your friendship with certain people is based on your utility towards them, what they can get from that friendship. Mm -hmm. And then once you are not playing by the rules, you're disposable. And that's what you felt. I felt just very disposable because you got to understand when Leanne met me, she was not attending any social events in Dallas that were, I mean, there's a level social events. She wasn't going to any of those social events. She's still not going to any of those social events. She was going with me. Because I was a debutante, a socialite. I chaired the Junior League Ball. I was underwriting chair for Cattle Baron's Ball. I chaired 35 events. I was the first person that gave UNICEF a seated dinner in Dallas. And now we're raising $1.4 million every gala. I mean, it's just, I have, I was, that's what I did. I was a fundraiser. I was doing that for 10 years. Because when I was at my mother's company, Mm -hmm. she was allowing me to work and make decisions. So I went outside of the office and I started doing something where I was respected. I was good at it. People sought me out for my expertise in that area. Mm -hmm. So I met Leanne through different friends and we immediately kind of had a mutual connection with a friend that we weren't friends anymore. We kind of had that, you know, sometimes you're, well, I was friends with that person too. And then you become friends. And I invited her to everything. I introduced her to the cream of the crop of Dallas society. I brought her to the places that she had no access to. And, you know, then once I questioned her real life story is when she just, you know, she wasn't going to have it. And I think at the point of when you become famous and you become well-known, then you, I think, and I've noticed this in politics especially, Mm -hmm. because your ego takes over and the charismatic personality that got you there combined with the ego and the narcissism makes you somebody that just has then not a a grasp on reality anymore. Mm -hmm. You feel like you are above the law. Let's Mm -hmm. just say that. Mm -hmm. That's the best way to, to, that's what I saw in Washington all the time is that you've made it, you're a senator, you're a congressman, whatever, and now I'm above the law and do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing sometimes with people on reality TV or uh, celebrities that forget where they came from. And the one thing I'll tell you, and I've said this on every interview, is that I'm so grateful because I wanted it so long. I've been an actress since I was four. And I love being on the stage. And I love being in front of people. I love being able to tell about things I'm passionate and my platforms and what I'm doing. And so I never say no for a picture with a fan. I never, I always ask, what's your name? Thank you for watching the show. Thank you so much for being invested in my story. Because if it wasn't for the fans, there would be no show. Exactly. I've never, I will never stop being grateful one day, one second of my life because I'm so happy to be here and what it offers me and be with my business, my other opportunities. And I just think sometimes people just, you know, and if they get a big head or whatever, and it just gets to them. It's just sad because obviously her wedding and relationship and marriage have been a huge part of her arc. And we all know being so obsessed with the show and it's such a good franchise, knowing that she stood for you when you got married mm-hmm. and watching all this go down this season. I mean, I understand that it is a complicated relationship. Like, let's take the friendship out of it. You guys are coworkers. You're working on a nationally televised show that's known throughout the world. There is drama that happens on camera and off. And I understand the anger that can be felt on 
anybody's side when you're watching this stuff play out and you also know in the back of your head I've known this person for x number of years Mm -hmm. like they were at my wedding they were at the most important day of my life how does that relate with what you're saying that there's a lot of like knife stabbing passion but also this is someone who at one point was like a really dear friend how do you how does that process inside of you process the way I just kind of have to rectify it in my mind is that some people are affected differently by fame and once they get a taste of it they're not going to lose it no matter what and they'll do anything to keep it and that if that means like she said I'll cut your legs off and watch you you know crawl away bleeding in the street she said it herself believe people when they say things like that to you (laughs) yeah no I hear you I hear you and how how do your cast members rally in those situations like they're obviously seeing what's going down online they're watching the episodes as you are is there a conversation that you're having with people who've either gotten in arguments with Leanne before or are kind of going through it now is there a a bond a unity a even a strategy that takes place I'll tell you Last year I was on an island because nobody wanted to go up against her, period, about anything. Mm -hmm. So, and they, of course, didn't want to talk about infidelity after the Carrie Duber situation and all that. And they just weren't, they weren't in my ballpark, even though I didn't really say anything. It became what I didn't say was what the story was about, you know. Um, And I didn't expect them to have my back. I knew I was going to be on an island. That's fine. What I didn't know going into reunion that Carrie Duber was mad at me because I had no idea that we had a problem. Mm. So within five minutes of the reunion starting, she called me the C word. And I was just, it literally was in, it was PTSD shock moment because I had no idea what was going on. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that Cameron was so angry at me. All that stuff was just, I mean, I... They actually stopped it, I think, out of, after an hour and a half or two hours because oh I wasn't God. responding because I didn't know what was going on. And I had been told, be the voice of reason that you are, that people love. Don't retaliate. Don't say horrible things back. Just let it happen. I went to my dressing room. And they're like, why aren't you fighting back? I said, well, first of all, you told me not to. I said, but if you take me back out there now, because it's only been two hours, we have a lot more to go, I'm going to wipe their asses with the floor. And that's what I did. Because I was, I'm not going to take this anymore. I was doing what I was told to do, being kind of that, you know, person I am, that straightforward person I am, but I, and not acting like a crazy person retaliating. But then I, you know, you can only take so much. So how do you feel watching the episode, seeing how new Carrie, or as I call her Carrie with a K, how do you feel watching those scenes, seeing how hard she's been on team Deandra, like how hard she's been driving that against whomever else you know in in saying to Leanne you know why aren't you inviting Deandra why you know why and I I asked her that question because I wasn't obviously there and I said well is that a question you came up with and she said yeah I wanted to know why and I said well you know you're going to open yourself up to a lot of persecution because of that Mm -hmm. which did but she doesn't care so unlike me Carrie's not sensitive she's really doesn't care what people say about her she thinks it's funny so, I mean, she got into a whole argument with Steve Kimball, which I thought was hilarious oh, on Twitter. And she thinks it's hilarious, too. I mean, it's just she doesn't have any sensitivity what anybody says about her. She just doesn't give a shit or a rip or whatever you want to say. Yeah. So, I mean, my mother, she didn't give a rip. She does not care. Um, which I, I, the only unfortunate thing for me was that people thought that I had set her up as my mouthpiece mm-hmm. when and Carrie, I hope, you know, she said this before, but I hope she'll say it at reunion again, just to reiterate the point is that, um, Carrie was very upset with me because she came to my house before the show started and wanted to have dinner and wanted to have drinks and wanted me to tell her 
about the history with Leanne and tell her about the history with Cameron. And I said, I'm not going to do that. And I kept avoiding, avoiding her. And then the show started going. And I just, and I said, and she didn't understand. She said, you're not being a good friend because you're not telling me. I said, if I tell you, I do you a disservice because then you will automatically have a bias against Leanne or Cameron or whoever. I'm not going to do it. And I said, I may be doing myself, I may not be doing myself any favors, but I can't do that because this is, you want to see things play out on camera. Mm-hmm. You want to see people's relationships develop on camera. Mm-hmm. So all that between Carrie and Leanne was completely organic. I had nothing to do with it. I never commented on it, never had anything to do with it. I stayed out of it. And until she watched the past season, she didn't know. And she still didn't know really what was going on. She just saw what she saw on camera. And she wanted to know what manipulations or whatever else were taking place off camera. Why like we from- were in such a bad situ- place. Why we didn't like each other. Why we couldn't be friends. Why... Cameron and I had a problem why all, all of this stuff she wanted to know every little detail the backstory so she could then you know help me or not or whatever and I said no I'm not giving I'm not giving you any any kind of uh, any information any background or it won't be doing trust me it won't be doing you any favors and I will say that's probably one of the biggest criticisms of the cast with regards to me is that I w- do everything on camera and I don't have the side conversations and the phone calls and things off camera while we're filming because I think I'm doing a disservice to the show. Has there ever been a time where producers are saying to people, like, shut the fuck up, like, save this for when there's a camera in the space? Like, is there, do you feel that even if you're not a direct participant in it, that there is there's a lot of... many times they will say, like, we'll be in a van, for instance, like yeah. Mexico going somewhere, and we'll be sure. talking, and they'll say, you know, save that for the big cameras. Of course, or, you of know, course. it'll be the GoPros, or don't have this conversation here, or, you know, I mean... Season four, people. Season four. That's what the camera. That's what our producer says. <laughs> season four, people. You know, <laughs> and how do you do? You literally like shut the fuck up in that moment. Like what happens? Like if you're in Most the middle. Most people don't. The reason I will tell you the reason I do is because, like I said, I've been an actress since I was four. I have a background in production acting. Mm-hmm. I directed two short films. I know what they're expecting on that side of the camera as well as what I'm supposed to do on my side of the camera, and whether it serves me or not. The show must go on. Yeah. So you have to think about, I always say, I try to think about it altruistically, what's better for the show. I mean, Mm -hmm. trust me, last year, I would never have gotten, I shouldn't have, I mean, I'm not saying I shouldn't have questioned Leanne, but it was not good for me. I could have kept my mouth shut and let everything go on. And we had the show we had without that. But I thought that the truth, if you're on a reality show, you need to discuss everything that's out there that's questionable because that's what we signed up for yeah if you expect me to talk my truth then I expect you to talk your truth too I think the thing with Leanne was watching it as a viewer it seemed it really truly I know we just said this but like it seemed really and truly that it wasn't for her about the honesty of the question or even if some of his exes had come to you it was the fact that it was done on camera which is some hurt all the time right but it was also done off camera. There's a whole recording of the conversation. That she did? That I, her best friend called me and she oh, recorded right, right, right. the whole thing and I told her everything and I know that was played back to her. And how does that change your relationship with Rich? Or is it one of those things where the spouse is just kind of... I haven't of- seen Rich since probably over a year. What happened the, you know, day they got married? Did you send any kind of acknowledgement or was it just way too toxic at that point where it just would have felt incredibly false? I had nothing to do with any of the wedding activities at all. Nothing. And so it sounds... You had to understand, though. Yeah. What Rich did to my husband was the reason, the main reason we have nothing to do with him is because of what he did to my husband. How so? If Do you not remember the whole text message that apparently was sent from his phone? 
right, 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 right. Girl named Jessica. Right, right, right. So that was done. Um, we finished reunion, and my husband had been out drinking with him all day long. It was him and Travis and Rich, and they were having a great time. All the stuff had happened that had happened. Right. He had moved on. Just like on the show this year, he said, look, I've forgiven her. Let's just move on. Mm -hmm. It's you that needs to move on. Not, you know, I've forgiven her. Right. And so they had had a great day of guys just drinking at the bar, having fun. We left reunion, got back to our hotel room, all of us. And Brandy was sitting in my room. And my husband got that text message about this girl named Jessica, which... Okay, if you had been drinking all day long with a guy, are you going to send a text message about some girl named Jessica because of what happened at the reunion? It's been an hour or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it just didn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And then that happened, and then I got the text message a few days later, mm-hmm. and um, my name was spelled interestingly different two different times. Okay. And then my husband got another text message the next day. It said, Happy Veterans Day, brother. And then again, Happy Veterans Day, brother. Because he hadn't answered. Uh-huh. He's like, what the hell am I going to answer him? I'm not answering him after what he sent to me. So that is why we have not been – Jeremy feels like, you know, he hasn't been apologized to for that mm-hmm. because Rich knows that's not true. Yeah. And it was a retaliatory act. Who did it? That's questionable. I don't know. But at the same time, my husband doesn't want anything. My husband is about integrity. He's a military ex-veteran, 22 years in the Air Force. Yeah. He's about integrity. And – if you do something like that and that, you know, your integrity's in question to him because, you know, it's not true, then he just doesn't want to have anything to do with you anymore. So that's kind of how they're, they were very good friends. They haven't spoken since then. That's really sad to me. I feel like these are guys that seem like they kind of understand, you know, like they understand the game and it's sad to see the destruction of relationships. Yeah, it is. And I wonder if this would have happened regardless of the show or if this is just kind of, I don't think it would have happened regardless of the show. I think it was because of the fact that I feel compelled to discuss truth since I signed up for this process that, you know, I got myself in the pickle Mm -hmm. basically. Can we talk a little bit about Mama D? Yes, who's let's become do it. such? I mean, Mama D feels like a friend of. When we talk about Housewives mm-hmm. and Friends, up she. Did you anticipate that she would become such a breakout star? Did you? Did production tell you that they wanted to utilize her as much as they ended up doing? Absolutely. I oh, knew you she did. Would. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I knew she would become a breakout star because I know my mother's personality completely, and I look at it as um, a feather in my cap versus an adversary. Totally. Because the more we get into arguments on camera, which is what we do in real life, the more interesting it is, and. She's definitely, I always say she's a reality show and a person. When mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she is. A caricature and just. She's uh, a human spinoff. And yeah. Uh, yeah, she's an oddity. She's just the way she handles herself and her, um, you know, she's just like, she's really very interesting TV. Mm-hmm. So I knew that she would be a breakout star whenever we auditioned, or whatever you want to call it, you know, right, we right, yeah. it was my husband and myself. I remember that. And then at some point my mother came over, I don't think she was on camera, but she came over after the whole thing just to meet the producers. And I Great. wanted to her, introduce her because it was a family show and they loved her of course they can you know you can see by oh my god this woman's gonna be great tv you know (laughs) completely I don't look at that as a negative for me and I have no just like with anybody else on the show I'm not competing with my mother I'm not competing with anyone else on the show I think it's fantastic when people have big personalities because they bring so much to the whole process how's your relationship been affected by watching 
a plot play out on camera that's in many ways related to the dynamics that you guys have and then also the combination of mother daughter and business you know it that's, was very that's tough yeah it was very difficult in the beginning this year I thought it was going to be harder than it is than it has been it hasn't been as hard as I thought it would be she's disappointed with some of the things I've said about her on camera obviously because she said why would you say that you know why did you and I said because that's what was going on mom and she everybody's perception of themselves and what they do in their life is different than maybe another person perceives yeah I, that's always yeah, 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 of been course. my you know my reality so she may not understand what she did or how she put us in a position to have to talk about this because of the choices she made but I said to her you know this is reality tv it is what it is you don't like it then change your behavior <laughs> it's so interesting to me that she felt like you owed her an apology. I would think it would be the exact opposite of that. There's been a lot that she has said and a lot that she hasn't necessarily taken responsibility for, which is, P.S., incredibly entertaining. Yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> of, of course. course. But I would think as the child in the dynamic, I mean... That's that's what's the... I mean, she does think I owe her an apology for saying things on television about my situation, which is just... in my husband, if you, you've seen my husband, he was of very... Course. He said, He's why did you do this? Why were you... You know, why would you... I mean, she sure. was... Uh, close and uh, you know yeah at that dinner her. at the family dinner right, that's what I was talking yeah, yeah, about. yeah so she was mad about that that he did that but it is what it is I mean if you you have to take just like I did last year responsibility for your actions and if you make a mistake if you do something you shouldn't have done or if you say something that you may not seem it may not be a big deal to you but then other people perceive it to be a big deal the consequences are the consequences now do we always find a way to come back together because she's my mother absolutely and I think that my mother maybe looked at her actions on this show and felt a little guilt to be honest with you about it and she has changed some of her behaviors which you will see later on we haven't finished the show yet but um she made some different choices after seeing a lot of what was playing out what's the current status of the businesses and companies knowing what we know or my what business we've seen is so far? fantastic I said to the producers I said I'm not going to be poor next year I'm so sick of being poor I'm done with that whole program okay I am not going to be poor little Miss DeAndra Simmons next year so um next year if we come back hopefully the um we can talk about some other things like the things my husband's my husband and I do with veterans and the movies that we're producing and other things that I think are also as interesting. Yeah. And then my mother and I, you know, we do the podcast, we're writing a relationship book. So that I think is going to be a different narrative if we do come back, which I'm tired of talking about this business. I'm tired of talking about my financial issues with the business. I think people are exhausted from it too. So, um, but the business is doing, to answer your question uh, directly, fantastic. Great. We have expanded. We have um, moved into retailers. We are doing a great on online presence now, great. Uh, sales. And I'm building out more products in Hard Neck and Morning, the skincare line, and in Ultimate Living as well. So I'm very excited about that. But it's it doesn't, Rome wasn't built in a day, and we have a startup company. I have one, two employees besides my husband and, and myself now. And we're all doing it together. We're all in it together. They have the same passion that I do about the business and about making it work. And they see the potential. But I had to clean house to get to the right team. Hmm. Do you think that the reason that she handed over the keys to the company at, the, at when she did, do you think she, that was directly related to the state of affairs of the company's health? I, My husband seems to think that's definitely true. If she had been able to take any more money out of it because, you know, she was driving paying for the Bentley out of right. that and paying for certain things out of that her household some of her household expenses and 
when it really wasn't useful for that anymore, she kind of just, and she didn't really want to work the business anymore or focus on that. So I think she just kind of thought, okay, well, you can have it now. And unfortunately, had I had the business several years ago, we mm-hmm. would never be in the situation where I had to do a turnaround because there were some things realized people think I'm stupid because I wasn't doing my due diligence. But I want to get this very clear. I'm 50 years old. If I didn't take that business and I had to start a new job, which I have no problem with starting another job. I've been there several times. I wasn't going to be able to stay on Bravo because if you have a regular job, you're working for me 70 hours a week at a regular job. I mean, they're at eight in the morning, go home seven, eight o'clock at night during the week. And then I'm working on the weekends. I'm always available. When am I going to film a show for Bravo TV? Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, let's, I want to stay on this franchise and continue contributing if I can. I want to keep my business and maybe try to make this a turnaround story. So I had to kind of make some serious decisions. Yes, I didn't see in the books. Unfortunately, if I had been able to see in the books, I would have noticed some things as a business person that would have been questionable to me so that's all been taken care of like I said I cleaned house and it's a new day can I ask you one more question because this fascinates me and I so when I graduated from college I got a little baby trust like not a real trust little baby one and then I went through that in about an hour and a half (laughs) it was like a lot of it was like a lot of cars a lot of cat it's like the dumbest shit Mm -hmm. that's how money went for me it was like spending it whatever but I did it and I learned my lesson and I moved on from it has being on the show and seeing a little bit of a window into how like the dynamics of your relationship with your mom is sort of directly related to potentially concern about the trust and knowing she had, there's a lot of um, influence that she has and it's not just directly related to being your mother. It seems like because of the nature of whatever happened with the how the trust was built, mm-hmm. she has a lot of say she has complete control over it. And that's, so why is that? That does not make sense to me. I have to tell you. Because my mother is a control freak. So she came up from no money at all, like dirt poor. So did my father. And they made their fortunes. And I know that she was. she's always worried about not having enough money. And enough for her is – and she doesn't spend any money, by the way. Mm-hmm, my mm-hmm. mother is the most frugal person on the face Oh, that's of great. Okay. So she doesn't spend any money. Yeah. And – so she has plenty of money. There's plenty of money there. She doesn't even touch the trust. So it's because she doesn't need to because she still gets my father's income every month from his job before. Oh, so interesting. She still has his income from okay. his job because okay. that was the deal. He was there 47 years. Got it. So she gets that every month plus all his retirement plus his pensions plus everything else and all of that every single month. And she doesn't even touch it. She spends not even a tenth of it. So <laughs> she has plenty. But... She, I think before my father passed away was, you know, I grew up with everything. Right. And having a much different budget than she ever had. I hear you. I got it. Had a lot of nice things, spent a lot of money because my father wanted me to have everything and do everything and travel. And you had a different relationship to money than the relationship that your mom had. My money yeah. is different. Completely. And so she looks at what I spend and how I live my life. And it's not something that she would feel comfortable doing she'll have some nice things but she the amount of money I spent on clothes or traveling or dinners my mother's just not comfortable doing that because she grew up with nothing and that's fine I appreciate that we're different people but they gave me and spoiled me because they didn't have anything to the 
you know, made it to a, a ridiculous amount of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, to have 275 dresses and 75 pairs of shoes at five, that's crazy. We went to Neiman Marcus every Friday, every Friday, oh and God. filled up the entire car when my parents were dating and then they got married and would have, you know, dresses and shoes and hair ribbons and whatever you could buy a little child and toys and Barbies. And I mean, every Friday we did this. And then we went to a five-star restaurant and the only one in town, there was a five-star restaurant at the time of the pyramid room at the, at the um, Fairmont hotel. That was when I was little and they had to order a booster chair because I was so little, I couldn't sit in the chair. So they didn't have any kids that ate there. And I would eat caviar and escargot every Friday night. Mm. And you know, the only thing that was missing was champagne because I wasn't allowed to drink. <laughs> but, I mean, so that's kind of how I grew up and, the best of everything, luxury, car, I mean, whatever I wanted. So you can see how all of a sudden, if that's how you're raised, and then you say, okay, well, now you're gonna, you're not going to have that anymore. That's fine. I am an educated person. I know how to make, I can make, uh, you know, lemonade out of lemons. But yeah. there is an education process since you have grown up with all these things. Now, how do you not be that person anymore? Right. That's what I think was difficult for people. It's difficult for people to understand is that if you had that your whole life, but yet I always worked. I've worked since I was 14. I've always had made a living. I've always had an income. Mm-hmm. Um, waited tables for 10 years because I was an actress and I had to. My Amazing. parents weren't just throwing money at me. Yeah, I hear you. But as far as growing up until 18 years old, I was given everything. Then I was a debutante, you know, all these kind of things that come with society and privilege and clothes. And I mean, it's just a lot. So. For me, trying to understand, I'm trying to understand the dynamic of it. I truly trying to understand the dynamic of it. Is there ever, has there ever been a point or a conversation of like, let me see what's inside. Give, oh, give me access to I, the I accountant. You Everybody do. I don't know what's inside. I know what's inside because I knew what was inside before my father passed. And what people don't understand is there's two trusts. So there's one in my mother's and one in his name. Uh-huh. So his is not touched. Got it. So all that, everything goes to me. Okay. People are worried, oh, there was no money in there. There's, trust me, it's fine. <laughs> Got it. She doesn't spend it because she's not going to because she's a money hoarder. Okay. <laughs> Which is, a, that's a great kind we of hoarder. That's the best like, kind of hoarder to me. The other question that I had, or maybe it was confusion was, is it, is it actually technically in her name like not understanding trust in the nature is the reason that there seems to be some kind of tension not necessarily because you don't have access to it is it because like on a technicality it was a trust for her that would be passed down to you is there any validity to that she was wanting to control all of it she wants to be the executor control everything so she would have control of all the money okay so which is fine my father didn't really want to do that but he didn't want to argue with her so you know he was 80 something when almost 85 years old and died he thought, you know, she didn't sign the trust before he passed away. She refused to sign it because she wanted it a certain way. He wanted it a different way. Oh, Jesus. And so it wasn't signed until after he passed away. So the, basically she is in charge of all of it. If I want, for instance, I live in a home that I really can't afford on my income. My dad built me that home. But to live in a $4 million home, it's not cheap. The home is paid for. We've discussed this many times, but there's maintenance and upkeep to a $4 million home. Mm -hmm. And somebody that's making what I'm making now trying to build a business should be living in a $4 million home. I can't move out of the home. I can't sell the home. So because she's the one that controls it. Yeah. So it's just, so if the air conditioner breaks down and this is what happened last year was $12,000 to fix, fix the two air conditioning units or something like that. I have to ask 
the trust, which is my mother, mm-hmm. I have $12,000 in air conditioning problems that need to be solved or the there's a lawn problem or there's lights outside that have to be fixed or there's the elevator has been I just keep I just fix all that myself there's an elevator if it breaks down if it's something needs to be replaced so those kind of things normally I just fix myself or pay for myself but if it's a big expenditure then I have to petition the trust which is her and say and and people say well why don't you just move out to some other place why would I move a place down the street where I'm going to be paying a mortgage or a rent now when I'm not paying that I'm just paying for the different maintenance things. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I mean, if nothing happened, I was paying, paying the electric bill, the water bill, the da, 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 whatever it is, you know, if nothing happened to the house, but there's, it's a 10 year old house. Now there's problems and issues and things that come up and arise. And, but yeah, so she has, I can petition the trust for certain things, home maintenance and upkeep and medical issues. And, and you know, there's, she wanted to give me money to buy another home recently. And so there was a large check that was going to be given to me to buy another home that was more expensive than my home now. Mm. I decided not to do that right now because we're in the middle of building this business. And I thought, well, go. If I if I move into a home that is, you know, three, four, five million more dollars than the one I'm in now, and I'm already having to ask for the air conditioning to be replaced or whatever, that's going to be more of a problem. So yeah. I just said, thanks, mom. You know, let's just keep the money for another time if I want to buy a bigger house later. And we'll talk about that another time. And I'll just stay where I am because I thought fiscally, being fiscally responsible and showing her that, okay, you want to write me a big check for millions of dollars for their home. If I take that, that doesn't look like my priorities are in line. Do you think that in some ways the show maybe helped your relationship with your mom because it forced you to have these incredibly awkward conversations, even if they were in front of a crew? Yeah. And I never, the fact that you're pointing that out and never thought about that, but you're probably right. And then also you're looking at your behavior and saying, I did that. I shouldn't have done that or I shouldn't have said that. But I think you'll see towards the end. I don't know because I haven't seen the end of the season. We have mm-hmm. I think three more episodes left or four more episodes left. Um, I haven't seen kind of how it's wrapped up. I did, you know, very poignantly say, yeah, my mom and I have problems, but it's always the same. It's my mother is my mother and we always have each other's back. Eventually, it may not seem like it all the time, but we do have a very, we do have a sweet side to our relationship. She's a tough lady. I mean, really tough. I'm tough too. It's my mother's daughter. And that's probably why when I question people on the show, it's just because that's, I've been questioned my whole life. I don't get by with anything. I mean, I've never been able to get by with anything. (laughs) But that raises a strong person. That makes you a really strong woman. There's the silver lining. Yeah. Is that my personality and my ambition and my perseverance and my ability to speak up and speak out and not be worried about it. You know, I mean, I am worried about it to some extent, but Mm -hmm. To feel free to express my opinions, that's my mother. My mother's not backing down to anybody. She doesn't care. Right. No, and that's, I think, a, there are benefits and drawbacks to being in reality TV. And I think that one of those benefits is there's no place for someone to hide. So if there's something that you've been saying to that person, like when they came before the show and you're like, I want to talk to you about this, blah, blah, blah. It's easier to shut that person down than when millions of people are now involved in the story. It, in some ways, it can hold a person accountable in like a healthy, beneficial way. You talked a little bit at the beginning about your... Um, incredible charity work and work in the society world. And the Simmons name is a very, very big name in Dallas and beyond. How have your friends, family members reacted to the show? Has there been any kind of feedback that's been incredibly positive or not? People in Dallas that watch the show Mm -hmm. do think that I bring what they want to see 
about Dallas on TV mm-hmm. to the show. Mm-hmm. That's the commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how many times I drink too many tequila shots or do silly <laughs> things, they still say you're classy, which makes me laugh so hard because I don't know, you know, because some of the things I've done, especially this year, are just not cute. My mother, by the way, was not concerned about my drunken behavior. She was worried about my spank showing. <laughs> She's oh, like, but your mother's love. Showing. Mother's like, Mom, love. you don't understand. They oh, sent me Mama a whole too. box. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I would say that Dallas women are very judgy and people in Dallas gossip. Oh, my God. More than any place in the world. And even the producers have said that. I mean, there's just so much gossip that travels around that city. Which is amazing, by the way. Yeah, That's amazing I mean, for us. It's, <laughs> so um, I will tell you that the socialites in Dallas are not real fond of the show. Mm-hmm. And they're not fond of me being on the show. And I have not been participatory and much charity really upper echelon stuff since then um, in fact Cameron and I were both both asked to leave Cattle Barons because of our involvement in the show wow and um, you know I was like fine you know <laughs> it, was, I, it didn't I actually was they wanted me to come back for underwriting to lead that and when someone announced that I could potentially be on the show within 15 minutes they saw it on Good Morning Texas. Fifteen minutes. Oh they called me, God. told me I couldn't be on in the Cattle Barons Ball anymore. I'm like, you know, you just did me a favor. Thanks. I mean, I was just doing it to help you. So, yeah. and it's and those girls are very, very mean. Some of them, and some of the society women are very mean, and they don't like the fact that I'm on the show or that Cameron's on the show or whatever. And at the end of the day, my life is my life, and mm-hmm. I really don't care what they think anymore. I used to, because my whole life revolved around that. Um, um, kind of like uh, praise and adoration mm-hmm. and people wanting to be near me because of what I could bring to a charity or a fundraiser or my acumen. I mean, my business acumen, I really use with the fundraising because you have to do a budget and you have to do all kinds of different things, and, mm-hmm. um, which has helped me now with my business. But yeah, I, there's a lot of you know judging. But then at the same time, there's a huge reward of the fans that love you so much and people that come to me and say, there was a socialite that sat on the front row next to me at Luann that said, I could believe she even watched Bravo. And she said, you bring so much class to the show mm-hmm. and fun and mm-hmm. entertainment. And we're so glad you were on the show. So people, and a lot of times people whisper to me, oh, well, I really like watching you on the show and thank you for doing, you know, and other people just won't really contact me anymore or won't want to be around me or, you know, but they always, they always look and they'll always, they're always inquisitive, but you know. Has there ever been a time where you feel like you and Cameron have been able to bond over that because you both come from such well-known prominent families in the Dallas area that going through it has in some way and dealing with these kind of ripple effects has hopefully in some way inspired a little bit of a camaraderie or not so much? You know, Cameron and I live very close to each other. We have a big age difference. She was always, I mentored her throughout the junior league and different organizations because I was the one teaching the fundraising and she was kind of coming up 15 years. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the ranks. But, um, Cameron, I think has a different experience than me because Cameron, she doesn't do the things I do on the show. She doesn't embarrass herself. She doesn't get drunk and say, what does she call it? The effing, whatever she says, effing. She doesn't say the F word. <laughs> I'm the one that says the F word and has too many tequila shots and does stupid stuff and comedy routine. I mean, I'm the one that does that. So I put myself out there to be persecuted a little more than she does. She kind of just does what she, who she is and what she does. And, you know, she doesn't put herself in a situation where she's going to be, um, I don't know, an embarrassment or so, you know, whatever you want to say. I mean, people that 
it's funny because most of the things that are embarrassing to me, people think are the best things of the show at that night, whenever it happens, you know, the episode, Oh my God, that you being drunk was hilarious. And <laughs> I want to hang out with drunk Deandra because drunk Deandra is fun. Cause I never get mad. I'm just like a fun drunk. I mean, I don't get mad. I don't have arguments. I just laugh and do silly things. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I love I'm it. that kind of drunk. So, um, I was worried about all those kind of things yeah. because you know, this year I think, you see me more that way because last year was so hard for me and yeah. so um, such drama and dark mm-hmm. that this year I just wanted to have fun and maybe I had a little too much fun, but people seem to have liked it. Um, but I don't, you know, Cameron, I don't think she has any remorse. I don't think she has any backlash. I don't think she really has the experience I have because you're seeing me kind of make some real difficult choices and, and, stand up to people and that's my personality though so people know that I mean she's been getting a fair amount of backlash for everything that's been going on with her and Stephanie there has I, I not been you're a... talking about just socialize oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Got so, it, got it, got it. yeah online she yeah. gets a lot of backlash right right, right. no you're totally right you're Stephanie. totally right socialites in Dallas yeah I don't think they look at her and think anything about her doing the show they may think why does she do that she doesn't have right. to um, with me, I needed to build a brand and I had other things I wanted to do with right. my comedy and all, you know, there was a reason, there was a lot of reasons why I did it. My husband's photojournalism and right. other things that we do. So I, I just don't think we, we've talked about it, but we really haven't talked about what are people in Dallas that we used to be involved in all these charities and she still is. I'm not, what do they think? I don't, I don't care what they think. There's also <laughs> a different, right. And there's also the difference between what do people in the society world think versus what do the viewers think? And the viewers are going to be much more passionate about select moments that have nothing to do with having a shot of tequila and have everything to do with why do you seem to be like coming in so aggressively against a cast member who is very clearly wanting to resolve problems and doesn't mm-hmm. under, and feels triggered. I mean, that mm-hmm. is more of a conversation starter, I would think, nationally than, you know, are you having too much turtle time? Like, there's a difference there. I think one of the things when I and uh, one of the things I did when I decided to join the show is I had to make a decision. Mm-hmm. If I joined the show, I knew that my life as a socialite was pretty much going to be over. Yeah, I could still be involved in some charities. But it would I'm be not, different. It would definitely I'm not be different. Be able to be the you know what I was doing before. In uh, absolutely. Um, and so. You know, couple episodes left. Has the re- the reunion hasn't been shot yet? No, we come back to this city in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so, how are you feeling knowing that that's coming? It's going to be, I think, a very very intense yes. next several weeks of episodes. How do you prepare yourself for you know that very long shoot that we started the conversation by talking about? Like, how do you what where do you feel? How do you find yourself? keeping sane well and it's funny that you said that because a lot of people last year were saying why do you have to study why are you reading the blogs well you don't remember everything you need to watch the shows again which oh I'll no do. you a thousand percent the worst saying, case why scenario- would you have why would you print out the blogs why would you study because i can't remember everything that happened sure sure sure, when sure. I sit on that couch i need to remember all 15 episodes because if i'm asked a question about it i can't be like i don't know i mean uh, i have to know how i felt in the moment why I was upset in the moment, why I was happy in the moment, why I was joyful, whatever it was. So I'll go back, I'll watch all the episodes, I'll take notes for myself so I can remind myself, okay, at this time I was feeling this way. Mm -hmm. Or at this time I said this about my mother and my relationship or about another cast member, this is why I did this. So I need to kind of get myself in the right mindset. With that regard, I talked to my husband, he really helps me. He's so level-headed and he gives great advice. 
and he will point out things that I don't even notice. Mm-hmm. And I'll say, oh my God, you're so smart. Why'd you, you just, you pointed something out that was huge. That I didn't even pay attention to. So we'll do that. We'll probably take the weekend before reunion and sit down and just do a whole binge watching event. Just, you know, the two of us together. Maybe my mom will come too. And oh, that's great. We'll sit down and just make notes about things that could have been, could be asked towards me or, you know, questions that people may have. And that way I'm ready. This year versus last year, this year I am fine. Okay, I am good. not, I don't have anxiety. Good. I mean, there's a little healthy anxiety. I always get anxiety or anticipation as a performer, no matter what I'm of doing. Course. So if I'm having a podcast with you, I yeah. get a little anxious. I think it's very healthy to it not is. be so sure of yourself. Yeah. Um, and so, use that adrenaline as energy. Yeah. So I will get a little nervous the day of, and mm-hmm. I'll be nervous probably going into it, but not because I am unsure of anything or don't know what's going to come down the pike or because I'm not prepared. Mm-hmm. So this year I'm kind of going into it thinking, yeah, oh well, it'll be, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of people that have a lot more problems than I do. So, and do you think you'll be back next season? I hope so. I mean, I really do. Do you want to be back? Yeah. Yeah. I would love to come back. And the show allegedly is casting. They're adding somebody. They're, they're trying to add right now. Um, they are, you know, um, auditioning in Dallas, different women. So okay. I have no idea. I've, course put some people in that are friends of mine that I thought may be able to navigate this that's the hard thing is you got to find people that really have the thick skin Mm -hmm. and are okay with the vulnerability and and do you think Carrie Duber will be back in some role a lot of people were surprised no Um, (laughs) maybe not I don't anticipate that do you think she'll stay on as a friend of or in the reduced role that she's in now or do you think it's unlikely I don't anticipate that. I'll just say that. I'm just going to say I'm not going to answer yes or no. If it was me looking through a lens, I don't anticipate it. And um, is there ever a shot in hell where there will there was a There was a time this year that I told Carrie off on camera very intensely. Duber? And it did not show. Why do you think that was? Okay. Do you ever anticipate at some point in, in the near future coming to – a real genuine stalemate or resolution with Leanne? Is there, is there a chance? Is that possible? I think at this time in our relationship, um, there is no, I, I don't, I don't think at this time in a relationship, there's an anticipation, anticipation on each of our parts of moving forward. Because when I started the show this year, I did everything I could to say, I'm sorry to mm-hmm. move on. Because you really have to mm-hmm. in this group. You're a group of women. And the story is about your friendships. If you don't have a friendship, then what story do you have? So you kind of, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we travel together. We go to different places together. If you can't be in the same room with somebody, then it kind of takes away from the whole, um, the storytelling and the juxtaposition of the show and how they're going to tell the show. I mean, you saw when, I was was it Tamara and Shannon that had the huge fight and it was such a problem for OC and mm-hmm. people hated it? And Vicky. I mean, Vicky's yeah, been Vicky, a huge yeah. part of it. So that was, well, this is years ago. I can't oh, remember okay, the got one it. that happened oh, years yeah, yeah, ago. Yeah. yeah, that was a big problem. So mm-hmm. um, I really went in with best intentions of let's put this to bed. Whatever I need to do to do that, I will do. And that's fine because I realized I was complicit and I did some things I shouldn't have done. Now, the what happened, the reason it got so ugly was because of the persecution on social media. That's where it became out of control, like a wildfire. Um, and I didn't really want to say I'm sorry, but I did it because I felt like in my heart, I didn't want to have any thing that I regretted. 
mm-hmm. as a, I'm a, I'm a human, I have feelings, I'm sensitive, I know when I make mistakes, so I thought I did the right thing. But if you noticed, every time I would apologize or do something, it was, yes, but you need to do this. Yeah. So now I need a somersault, I need a backflip, and I need you to get on the high dive and do a, you know, a triple, whatever, I mean, triple flip. I, I don't know. It's just something always, another condition. I'm not a condition girl. I'll tell you I'm sorry, but I'm moving on. I am not going to let you hold something over my head, and I'm not going to make you let you make me feel guilty or do anything that's going to – it's not going to – I'm not going to do that. I'm going to move on with my other friendships, and if you don't want to participate in that, that's your problem. I just have to say as a viewer – two things. One, I would just feel really good if there is a way for you guys to coexist, as you were saying, without feeling like you were potentially under attack. And number two, it's more interesting for us when it doesn't feel like there are two different separate worlds. It's more interesting when you're seeing I totally agree all of you. the women being able to interact. I agree with you, but it takes two to tango. It does. And I was tangoing and there was another another person not tangoing with me. Andy needs to lead a dance tutorial. <laughs> <laughs> it needs to happen. Uh, Andy, if you're listening, I hope it happens at the reunion. I, I'm a firm believer, you know, that you go through the shit to get to the other side. And my hope is no matter all the drama that's gone down on camera and off, that there is always the potential. There's always kind of the hope. So, well, and people need to, I will say this, and this is, I mean, people need to check their ego at the door Yeah, because it is an ensemble show. And you feel that it's the ego is a little out of control. Really? Mm-hmm. I have no, and I, I want you to get this very straight. I'm yeah. not competing with anyone on the show. The right. only person I compete with is myself. And I compete with myself as to do I bring something to this experience, to mm-hmm. this show? Am I someone that is a valuable contributor? Yeah. Am I growing my businesses? Am I showing my story with my husband and my mother? Mm-hmm. Is somebody seeing that and saying, oh, I can relate to that? That's how I compete. I don't compete with the other girls on the show. Why? I mean, there's no point in that. I don't care about who's the star of the show. I care about what we all bring together. Next year, I hope somebody 100 times more fabulous than me comes on the show. Because guess what? That's going to elevate all of us. And that's where... You need to see the forest for the trees. You've got to get out of thinking that the show revolves around yourself as one person and realize what everybody brings to the process. And people can say all day long they do that, but it's not necessarily true. And just final question, is there anything that you feel like you want to be able to make clear to all of the Bravoholics who are listening to this? Is there anything that you feel like hasn't been covered on the show enough that you really want to make clear that people understand about you? I think actually we covered it as far as the financial situation mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. regards to the business and the trust and all that about, you know, I've lived so many times in my life when I was living in New York as an actress, I was living in a place that had a sink in my room and a bathroom down the hall. I was paying $173 a week. I came here with a duffel bag of clothes and that was it. Mm -hmm. I waited tables all day long. I couldn't even afford a taxi or a subway. Mm -hmm. So I would walk two and a half miles to and back from work every day. I have lived the life of, you know, people say, well, you don't know what it's like to have a hard life. Yes, I did have, I chose to have that life, but I did do it. I've done it. I've worked three, four jobs at a time. It's, I'm somebody that puts in the effort and believes in hard work. So I don't, that really upset me that people said, you know, the whole comment about the 60,000. So I want to make sure that that goes away. And I, my mother and I are, you know, we fight, we always come back together and I'm hoping that 
you know, on, on the show that, of course, you'd want all the cast to come back. Would never want anyone to leave the show because that's what makes our show. And that's not my decision. But I will do my best going forward to try to get along with everyone. I, that's what I did this year. Unfortunately, it didn't work out. But that mm-hmm. doesn't mean I won't keep trying. And where can people um, follow you on social media? So on Instagrams, Deandra Simmons, D-A-N-D-R-A-S-I-M-M-O-N-S, because my name is D apostrophe, capital A and D-R-A. Yes. They don't have that. It's fancy, uh, y'all. Yeah, it says Deandra Simmons on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and my company's Hard Night Good Morning, my skincare line. You can follow Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Ultimate Living, Ultimate Living D on Instagram. And follow us every place. And I don't give a rip. My podcast. Listen to it. Oh, my God. We need to do a collab. Every Wednesday I feel like at 10 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a rip. And can we definitely give a rip to a charitable <laughs> initiative that yes. you and Jeremy are doing? Let's give a shout out to. Can you just give us a 60-second um, um, summary of your work as global outreach ambassadors for Project Peace? Yeah, so that's part of the Third Ear app. And the Third Ear app is a group of artists that have t- come together. It's completely free. They've like provided their services. And what they've done is it's music, it's meditation, sound healing, all these different things that my husband's a veteran. It's free for veterans and people that have had um, you know, persecution or have had um, any kind of situations, spe- specifically veterans in war and, and things of that nature. And they can go and download the app and listen to this music for, for free because it's very healing when you have had a war. My husband was deployed five times. Mm. So having been in war that many times and seeing that, the nightmares, the PTSD, mm-hmm. the things. So music, sound healing, these artists that have collaborated to give of their talent and their services just to help these people. It's amazing. My dad was a French and Vietnamese interpreter in Vietnam and then embedded with troops as a journalist in Baghdad. So mm-hmm. that's certainly a, yeah. a call in an organization that so I think people should know Air about. Apps. That's great. So it's part of Project Peace. It's a, a an initiative of Project Peace, but it's a wonderful way of giving back to the people that have served our country. Well, thank you for giving back to me today. Thank you. <laughs> thank Andy's girls this was a complete pleasure and I feel like we've just even in the hour that we've been talking I have about 35 more questions so I can't wait to have you back on the (laughs) people's wheels couch again soon thank you so much Deandra and we'll we'll chat with you again soon well you guys 1764 episodes of Andy's girls and that was definitely one of the most revealing conversations I've had with a housewife um and it it was magical I do have to say that I had almost no voice <laughs> from BravoCon. My body was broken in half. <laughs> I had just recorded with Brian the day before, and I was just taking it all in a lot, a lot. And it's really interesting. I mean, you guys have the benefit of list having listened to it um, since this week's app of Dallas has aired, which includes, you know, the scene slash scenes that Deandra's referencing here with the dress stuff. But having not seen that and not entirely been aware of what she was um, uh, referring to, it's actually really interesting to have gone through that experience with her one-on-one and then watch the app and, you know, listening to this 
conversation with all of you. I'm really curious for your thoughts. And I do also just have to say that I've interviewed Leanne before, albeit not for Andy's Girls. And she was nothing but kind and generous. Saw her at BravoCon again um, one or two more times. And Uh, You know, every housewife always has a place on the people's people's couch. And, um, you know, it's this season of Dallas, I have to say, I don't know, as we all know, from what I've said on episodes past, I wasn't quite sure about the where the franchise was going this season. And this week's episode, my God, really, really good stuff. So I am all geared up for the rest of the season. I think that you know, we're looking at what's probably going to be like a pretty good second half of Dallas, which I really appreciate. Thanks to all these women. And, um, and thanks to all of you for listening. I look forward to getting your thoughts. Um, reach out to me on IG at Dame Galley and on Twitter at Sarah Galley. I definitely want to know if you have any BravoCon satchels of gold questions, concerns, no concerns. It was genuinely perfection heaven mana sent from up above unbelievable shout out to team bravo they did such an exceptional job like every single person that i know that has attended we're all in a state of shock that we're not like going back to it next weekend i miss it literally so much and it's been like a couple days they did such an unbelievable job so um I want to hear you know your queries your comments and um we'll include some of those in next week's AG so hit me up on Instagram Twitter slide into my Venmo if you want to um and uh thanks again to to Deandra um for joining me this week and guys this was Andy's Girls episode 13 million thousand aka I think 134 um can't wait for next week all right guys bye-bye